Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, lead faculty for Influential You and your co-host for this weekly podcast. John is still in France. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we welcome Todd Brozart as our guest on the podcast. Now, Todd Brozart is the founder of Mental Events, a company that offers mindfulness-based therapy and workshops that allow his clients to connect with what's really important. Todd is a licensed clinical social worker and board-certified diplomat who worked for over 10 years for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. He specializes in providing cognitive behavioral therapies, including mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, cognitive processing therapy, and acceptance and commitment therapy. He helps people change the relationship that they have with their emotions and thoughts, learning to relate to them as ongoing and changing experiences so they can respond more flexibly to life events and challenges in the moment. He has over 14 years of post-master's education and experience in his field, and he holds his master's of social work from the University of Denver and a bachelor's degree from Minnesota State University in Moorhead. He's a graduate of the Fundamentals of Transaction program and is currently in the Mechanics and Practice program, and I've had the opportunity to study with him a few times over the last few years, and he's a great example of the benefits of study and practice, because what he learns and what he says in those studies are fantastic and he's a pleasant sparring partner, study partner. I tell you, when he talks, it's really important, and it, it really helps that he's here on the podcast today. Todd lives in Erie, Colorado with his wife, Danielle, and his son, Jack, and we just found out everyone's got COVID, so send your prayers over there. Make sure they're feeling better. Get them some soup, but please welcome Todd Brozart to the Influential You podcast. Good morning, Todd. How are you? Well, good afternoon, I guess. I'm well. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, Todd, before we jump into the interview, can you tell me just a little bit more about kind of what you do? And as a, a family who's had, you know, a Marine, my father was a Marine. I know the VA really well, um, but your experience there, just so you know, thank you for what you've done uh, and what you continue to do uh, with the mental health. But in your own words, would you kind of introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. I've worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs for 12 years in the outpatient mental health clinic. Half of that time was actually working in addictions. So working with you know men and women who were coming in and seeking a lifeline. So individual therapy, facilitating groups. The other half of my career at the VA was actually going into jails and meeting with people for the first time who had never even sought out mental health services working with sheriff's departments and judges as well, just to be that conduit between mental health treatment and the justice system, which so often needs a lot of resources. So doing a lot of inpatient, outpatient, and and outreach with uh, the community. Wow. And um, I, I know that a lot of people look at the VA and they just see problems, but uh, I believe that there are really good people that work there and, and are really committed to the help of our, our soldiers and you know, our armed forces. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of maybe what drew you to that kind of work? How did you get into this line of, of work and this, this type of work and the experience and, and how it built to where you are now with your own business? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast. What I can say, yeah, what I can say briefly is that I, I'm, 
one of my values is public service. Uh, I, I really believe in, in the greater good and just the commonality, the, the human commonality that we all share together. And the Department of Veterans Affairs, for, for right or wrong, some of the struggles that they have, it really is, as a clinician, one of the best learning environments, especially when it comes to mental health. So I've been able to work with a lot of people that have experienced a lot of traumas in their lives. But as a clinician, I would, I would argue and I would assert that the, the training, the environment is, is kind of top class, first class. That's so good. And, and I know we've talked over the years and it's, it's encouraging to hear how many people care and, and really are doing a good job. So we want to thank everybody that's working in that field. Now, you left that field um, a couple of years ago and you started your own practice. Tell us a little bit more about your business. Yeah. In 2019, I, I uh, ended up leaving the Department of Veterans Affairs and went off into this uncharted territory of being a private provider. And there was a lot of reasons for that, but one of them was, I love a challenge. I, I thrive off challenges, which is one of the reasons why I actually went and worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs. But after 12 years, things were starting to feel a bit stagnant and, and I needed something different. And this gave me an opportunity to really focus in on the things that are really most important to me. I was able to make decisions far quicker than I could working for a pretty large bureaucracy. And, and that's no discredit to that. I mean, there's reasons that we have systems and processes in place to, to manage a lot of people. But I was at a point in time where, you know, being in late thirties, it's either now or never. And mm. I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with the, I had never done it. Um, I wanted to, to move into the unknown. And now I'm, I'm able to really focus in on certain sciences, uh, psychological flexibility, namely is what really piques my interest as a therapist helping people become more mindfully grounded, but flexible thinkers and, and really committed to the things that ultimately, you know, dignify their life. So often I work with people who really can't articulate just an aim for that one, you know, one part of it, but really what matters to them. And I assert that that stuff's really not that far away. It's just, we've kind of been trained into not going for those things that make us feel a little more alive inside. Mm. I love that mindset. I love that kind of the conviction that you have. It's part of why I love you so much because I enjoy your kind of demeanor, the way that you work. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's fun for me because I love this portion of getting to know kind of your why and what you do. And then we jump into the why for influential you. So here's really my question. What was going on where all of a sudden you hear about us or what were the circumstances that led up to you deciding that you, what did you, what did you see about influential you that you wanted in your business? Well, let me, there's kind of two, two answers to that. The first one was my wife used to uh, work with Karina Hendrickson, who's a legend in Influential You. And I said, you haven't seen Karina in like two years. And we had a baby and it was COVID and they went to lunch. Karina was talking to my wife about it. And my wife came home and said, I think you need to talk to someone about Influential You. Mm. I, I didn't give it one thought and I just said, sure, I'm happy to learn. <laughs> and I ended up talking with Tim Nicholas not not too soon thereafter. And um, at that point, I was yearning for an environment that helped me, you know, cross the Rubicon of my own ideas that kind of kept stifling my progress. So that's that's part of where I ended up, you know, signing the dotted line back in November of 2021 to to start FOT. But really, before that, what was really pivotal pivotal in in my experience of of why I left the VA is I had a pretty significant and traumatic uh, near near death um, injury at work 
and and I was hospitalized for over a month. Um, and I'm lucky to be here. And it's nothing like hearing a thoracic surgeon coming into your your room and saying, if we don't operate, you're you're not leaving. You need to get your affairs in order. Mm. And we we all kind of walk around thinking that bad stuff, yes, it happens, but it's not gonna happen to me. I was like 38, 39 at the time. Thought my whole life was ahead of me. My my wife and having a family and and then to to face that and to be in a hospital for a month where you're really vulnerable and someone's taking care of you, that that really shook me and trauma does this interesting thing where it kind of cracks open your worldview for for healthy or unhealthy ways. It's 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 a new challenge. And so that that was really a a, a new direction in my life to take take the 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 road towards the un, you know the challenges, the discomforts. Um, and so that's that's kind of how I ended up at Influential U. Now you you're you're setting up the business. There was there must have been something in what Karina Christensen said or, or or what Tim said where you're like, hey, this actually the structure is something that I want for my business. There's something that I'm <laughs> lacking, um, something that could be better. I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. What was it for you that was kind of that like, all right, I need to sign up for this. I need to sign up for this now. And where do I start studying? <laughs> what what was that for you? What was that kind of thing that pushed you over the edge and said, this is the program for me? Well, there, there's something about an influential environment. I look back over the course of my life and where I've grown the most or where I've succeeded in, in ways that were almost impossible. Uh, and there's always been an influential environment. Mm -hmm. People that have shared really important ideas or challenged me. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about influential you is that you can make sorts, all sorts of assertions, but they're not necessarily going to be accepted. Studying with people, they will, they'll ask you, tell me more about that and can say I decline or I don't accept. And, and that can be agitating and aggravating to, to one's biology, but it's also an invitation to really dig in and, and provide evidence to engage in transactions that are actually more useful to not just me, but we. And, and so the environment was a huge piece. I, I've always believed in transacting in a, in a powerful environment, but as a producer, I often misinterpret results as some sort of success. I can really, if you give me a deadline, <laughs> even if it's arbitrary, I will get to work for you. I will break my back for you. And when I don't have some of that um, objective perspective coming at me. I, I can kind of stay lost down there in that part of the transaction cycle. Just keep working, put your head down. And that caused its own sense of problems, which I, I believe contributed to my to my injury mm. and, and the breakdown. So not taking care of my health or my relationships in the name of let's just work a little bit harder. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that a lot of the producer personality. And we'll talk about that a little bit more and what you learned about the way that you exchange. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little bit more what you said. The original name of our company was Influence Ecology. And you may already know this, but uh, for those of you that don't, what it really means is to set up an ecology around you that influences you to get what you want. Because as we teach it, your environment is stronger than your willpower. And more people are focusing and, and working on basically functioning on willpower. And that's why we see so much burnout, in my opinion. That's why we see so many people that aren't necessarily getting what they want because they don't build that environment around them. And so, Todd, what you said there about having an environment that is influential, 
dead on. That's exactly what we do. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. So you come into the program and you start to learn with us. You start to study with us, start to be in that environment. And you start to learn a whole bunch of things. I got lists on lists on lists of things uh, that you and I can talk about. But let's start with that producer personality. Tell me a little bit about some of the characteristics that that producer or that objectivist personality brings to a transaction. Yeah, when I saw labor work in action, um, thinking about all of my previous roles, the things that I I did in other jobs, uh, that that is really where I have succeeded and thrived, is in the labor work in action. I, I will fulfill things for you. Just give me a little bit of direction, a little bit of focus, and I will get things taken care of. Um, and I actually think it's part of one of the reasons why I'm able to maintain a pretty full caseload is because I really have focused on not just the labor work and action in a session with you, but all of the other stuff that I think some therapists struggle to do, which is keeping appointments, communicating, contacting. Um, so there's there's a lot of mortar that holds things together. And the willing horse gets worked. Um, I'm, I'm able to work. I'm willing to work. Um, to my own detriment sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, but the other part I would say about a producer is that we love to be included. I love to be included. I love to know why we're doing this. And if that starts to break down a little bit of why, you know, why are we doing this or why aren't we doing this? I, I can almost take that as a slight, as much of an ego hit that, as that is to, to, to say to you know, this audience, there's truth behind that and, and to own that. Yeah. And I, I think what's really valuable about what you just said is that many times producers tend to give too much value, to do too much work. You know, we had um, Liz Smiley on a, a few weeks ago and she talked a little bit about her, her pot, you know, in her podcast. I've also talked to a lot of producers that say, if I just do five more minutes, five more minutes of this work, five more minutes of this work. And then, yeah, okay. So you feel guilty there. Good. Well, don't mean to call you out, but that's something that I think in the show prep, you, you put really well. You said, um, I used to believe that working hard and things would just work out and found out that wasn't so. Can you tell me more about you learned uh, what you learned there in the stability of the producer and, and what you think now about, yes, hard work, but just doing hard work isn't going to make everything happen for you. Tell me more about that. I had this magnet in my, my office when I worked at the VA, um, and it's a quote that's attributed to Teddy Roosevelt, who I admire. And the quote is, do what you can where you are with what you have. That is that is like porn for a producer. <laughs> oh, just do a little bit more. So, you know, if, if there's not an articulation of an aim now of why why we're doing this and what we're moving toward, then I, I'm actually giving myself some leeway to question my behavior, my activity, that, that condition of life. Hmm. And so if it doesn't match up with the aim, right? That first step in the 13 steps, I, I'm really training myself to question, what is this activity? And is this really in line with my aims? As a producer, it's so easy to just get into the five more minutes, which then become 45 minutes. And now my wife's like, are you coming upstairs? And now we've got another breakdown <laughs> of, I need help. I need help. So I've, I've really learned to, to start with the aims. And I, and I know that's a huge part of, of this work here with Influential You and how quickly we, we can abandon the aims. We can really abandon those aims. So tape them up. I, I've learned to do that. Just tape them up on your mirror, on your, 
your computer screen somewhere that it's visible. Um, but again, going back to that influential environment, I've got people that I see on Monday nights that, that remind me of my aims and ask me about my aims. Mm. Where are you at with that? And then I get on the map call and it's right there in front of your face, whether or not you are adhering to your commitments. Mm. It's really good. I'm going to, I'm going to say two things. First off with the aims, having them, putting them somewhere, super valuable, right? Because we, that's where we start all the time is what are you aiming for? It's almost the first question I ask. Anytime somebody tells me what they want to do, I go, well, what's your aim there? And knowing your aims allows you to accept or decline things much more quickly because you know what you're looking for. And I would say this, that, um, you know, every move not towards our aims is in effect to move away from our aims mm -hmm. and having those up is really wise in your environment. The second thing, and I, I kind of want you to expand more upon this. I, what I heard in there was the Teddy Roosevelt quote. And would you, would you say that quote one more time? Do what you can where you are with what you have. Do what you can where you are with what you have. And what I find more often than not is that people have some sort of unexamined ethic or a blanket ethic. Um, you know, it, it works smarter, not harder, or you just keep swimming or a lot of those. And we have to confront them in the fundamentals of transaction program because they don't always work in every situation. And that can be really bad advice in certain situations. So would you mind telling me a little bit more about why that no longer works for you or, or why that maybe is a blanket ethic that you had to uncover and figure out how and when it was appropriate and when maybe it wasn't? Yeah. I mean, again, that that accident at work shook shook my life in 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 ways that were ultimately useful. And and I wish <laughs> I wish it wouldn't have taken something like almost losing your life to to really understand that. You know, embedded in FOT, this is just coming to mind for me as we're, we're talking, Josh, is that there is this statement that says um, subjective solutions or subjective sayings and objective solutions, subjective sayings and objective solutions. And do what you can where you are with what you have. There's truth to that, but it's not the full truth or the whole truth. And that can easily become a subjective saying when things are unclear or muddy or you're rudderless. You can be just circling the lake. And so is there an objective solution to this saying? Is there? Are we what are we what are we shooting towards? What are we aiming towards? And so for a producer to see something that, you know, accentuates hard work, it, it can really be easy to latch on to something like that without really transacting for help. I mean, that's something I'm still working on to be honest, transacting for help, knowing thy aims, measuring whether or not my efforts are actually working. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that too. Cause that that's really good. Subjective sayings, objective, what was the word? Solutions. Solutions. That goes really well into this meaning of, of the value of measuring and articulating aims, right? We talked a little bit about uh, your aims and having them up in places, but now we're talking about measuring those, which may or may not be, and probably in most producers' cases, is not necessarily where they go to work. It's, it's sometimes a blind spot for them. So could you tell me a little bit more about the value of measuring and the articulation of your aims and why that's important to you? Yeah. I can tell you one of the, the, the ethics that drives my work now as a, as a provider uh, of mental health services, I want to help men become more psychologically flexible and mentally fit. 
it's not just about mental health and wellness, but there are these little negotiations that we have to work through. And, and I often use the dishwasher and loading the dishwasher and the standards of how you load plates or cups or bowls into the dishwasher. My wife and I do not share the same standards. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to be able to be flexible to make our, our, our relationship work for not just the two of us, but our child as well. We have this environment together. And so that's that's the ethic that I've really discovered through not just FOT, but MAP, the early stages of MAP is like really getting clear on that ethic. And so I wanna help guys become more psychologically flexible. I say that because that helps me measure not just the work that I'm in, inviting people into, specifically men, inviting them into, and how we invite them into uh, the psychological flexibility work, but whether or not it's working. So admittedly, I did not spend a lot of time in satisfaction metrics. There are certain metrics that I would use in mental health uh, that are pretty standard, like uh, depression, anxiety measurements. But do you think this is working? Just creating some surveys and, and, and measurements that, that help patients think about their own subjective well-being. Think about things like psychological flexibility and then incorporating those in session, not as like you're not growing. It's not a deficit minded thing, but let's really focus in on this one part of the measurement that just doesn't seem to be improving. Let's apply, apply some treatment there. I wouldn't go to a dentist if they were drilling in on the wrong tooth. I would never go back. And I would expect the same out of my mental health provider to, to actually provide some focus in order to make it more efficient. So people aren't languishing for, for years in therapy where it feels aimless. So I, that's really helped reshape the, the conversations that I have, not just on an individual session basis, but over the arc of treatment. That's really, really good. And if you're just joining us, uh, you're getting to hear the knowledge and wisdom from Mr. Todd Brosart. Uh, Todd's out of uh, Erie, Colorado, and uh, you're on the Influential You podcast. Um, I love what you just said, because I was just thinking about the idea of like aimless therapy, right? There's, there seems to be something in the current, or maybe it's just a rumor I've heard or something I heard somewhere where you go to therapy and you kind of just sit there for a while and, um, there's not really, you don't, you can't measure it. So it kind of sounds a lot like you're actually putting some sort of therapy with an aim, uh, for your clients. Can you tell me more about that? Am I, am I on the right path? Absolutely on the right path. If I had a if I had a dollar for every time someone reached out and said, I don't want to just sit there and talk without a point or a purpose, mm -hmm. I, I would have I wouldn't be able to retire yet, but I would be further along in my my venture. Um, people want to get better. And, and just focusing in on the deficit minded thinking is not really in the service of, of mental wellness. So there, there is a myth to happiness that I must remove or get rid of unpleasant thoughts and feelings in order to live the good life. Mm. And from, from where I work and from the, the philosophies and, and practices that I, I use with people, it's, it's learning to, to touch those, those unpleasant thoughts and feelings in a way that's more accepting and more willing. And in order to do that, we're starting to open up and take a look at the whole expanse of our human experience. You are not a problem to be fixed. You are not a problem to be fixed. Let's focus more on where we're going to. What's the aim? What do you want your life to really look like? The things that are actually in your control, 
you have thousands upon thousands of thoughts every day. Most of them are un, you know, <laughs> they're not, not necessarily helpful. They're not necessarily useful. They're just kind of there, but we really personalize them. So therapy, the way I'm looking at it, and I think a lot of my contemporaries are also looking at it as let's, let's look at this as more of a um, measurement-based care over a, a, a period of time. Let's really look what we can accomplish over six to 12 sessions. What do you want to see within that short period of time? And then reevaluate. Is this working? Is this effective? Am I getting something out of this? Let's raise that, that, that bottom up. So if you do fall, it's not that far. You can get right back up. So I, I could go way into all that, but yeah, it, it's really helping people have more of a say in their mental health care versus just assuming that I know what's best. That's really good, Todd. And I, I appreciate that stance. I think um, anyone that's ever been to therapy or understands kind of that process can appreciate what you just said about kind of the measuring of the therapy, right? Because there, it feels like there's some sort of, um, you, you kind of don't want me to get better in this field because then you lose business. Now, that's probably a fallacy. That's probably not so, but I know so many people that go into therapy thinking it'll just solve it because that person will just whatever. But without those kind of objective goals, it, it makes it very difficult to figure out how we're doing and where we're going along the way. So I love that. I'm going to move to something else you said that you learned in the program. And I'll start with this. You had a general mindset going in. You had a generalist mindset saying, you know, don't say no, take on as much as you can, that kind of thing. And then you shifted to a specialist mindset. And I, I can't help but listen to that um, thing that you're saying about helping men live a better life, or, or I'll have you say that again. But then tell me how you moved from a generalist mindset to a specialist and what that did for your business. Well, I can tell you, I, I resisted the, the specialization. Um, how I approached prior to FOT, how I approached my practice was I am trained in these evidence-based therapies. They are, you know, tested in, in thousands upon thousands of research studies across diverse populations for diverse needs. And my, my thought was, and I think this is definitely part of the current that's within mental health providers, because there definitely is one, and I definitely got caught up in that and still have to, to really pay attention to how I get caught up in the current of mental health providers, because that's absolutely a thing. My thought and thinking was, I am a provider who provides these types of therapies. And if you think this could be a benefit to you, I'm your guy. Well, that was naive thinking, because I ended up saying yes to a lot of transactions that I shouldn't have said yes to. I'm not your guy. I actually am not the right person for you. And that was that was a shift over i would say this the first couple of of uh, months with fot of like actually specialization is key there is this you know narrative within the mental health current of don't say no say yes to people people are in need they're suffering you know global unhappiness is on the rise 19 million men today are struggling with depression or anxiety six million men right now in the united states are struggling with depression 1.2 million people attempted suicide last year. How can you say no? And so I was naive in my offer to think that I'm providing the best care. Maybe not so. Actually, specialization and getting really specific about your offer and your value of help is actually how you can serve and help more people. 
So that takes a lot of accurate thinking and the willingness to challenge my own arrogance. Mm. You know, no mental health provider wants to admit that, that, you know, they're wrong. That's an assertion, but I'm here to study this stuff. And, and really one of the things that we can do in terms of self-awareness in this profession is to admit that I don't know, I don't have all the answers. In fact, you have more wisdom inside of you than you realize. And that's my job as a provider is to help you realize that. Wow. It's really good. And I think there's also a thing of like the willingness, right? So we teach ethical influence in a way. And I imagine that in your line of work, having someone um, that comes to you with a thing and then now has to commit to a thing, con commitment and consistency. Some of the tools that we learned from Cialdini with levers of influence that are ethical ways of moving people are really valuable in your uh, program and in what you offer to make that change, right? Because the change doesn't happen necessarily unless someone's willing to do the deliberate practice. And when we talk about deliberate practice, I'd love to ask you a little bit more about what deliberate practice means to you. And I've got the list. I like just jotted down the list of what the five uh, qualities are to them um, if we need a, a refresher. But when it comes to deliberate practice and what you studied as far as deliberate practice, is there anything in there that you would um, kind of tell us about the mental health field and how deliberate practice falls into that category? Well, there's there's the the necessary component of feedback, right? Like you're you're constantly, as I as I recall, deliberate practice that you're putting yourself into an environment where feedback is not only necessary but it's available to you. It's also not very much fun. No. And 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 to confront our own naivete, our arrogance, our conceit, uh, whether you are a patient or provider, um, that is that's where that's where the magic happens. It's where the magic happens. And when we have this meeting of minds. I'm going through presentation right now, but when patient and provider can meet somewhere in the middle and, and, and kind of inquire instead of having the answer or forcing the answer, we actually can bring in far more possibilities and then siphon down to a possibility and then practice that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give you those things. And I just want to see if your practice measures up to what we call deliberate practice. So you can say yes, no, maybe or you know what I decline. Let's talk about this later offline. And why <laughs> would you ask me that in the middle of a live podcast designed to improve performance? You just said it's scientific based. I imagine that you are. I'm going to go ahead and let you answer there. Yes. All right. Uh, re uh, repeated a lot. <laughs> Yes, and my the patients I work with, uh, I have to really balance that because too much, I start to lose you. Yeah, yeah, especially with us ADHD type. Uh, next, uh, you're welcome for that one, uh, mom. Uh, next one, uh, quality feedback is readily available. Absolutely, one of, one of the things that FOT really helped me um, practice and employ is surveys. So I send, if like you're gonna work on this very specific transaction with me, if not everyone does this, I send you a survey at the end of the week and it, I'm getting really deep, deep reflection that we then incorporate into our, our next session. And it really helps us focus in and concentrate in on the stuff that we tend to miss throughout the course of the week. So, so absolutely, it's, it's, been a, it's been a game changer. Good, highly demanding. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Not much fun. Absolutely. <laughs> so 
it sounds like you've got a deliberate practice on your hands. Congratulations. Um, I, I appreciate that. Now, now Todd, you, you started to learn in the fundamentals of transaction. You kept going with us in mechanics and practice where right now you're actually designing a manual that will be the starting point that you'll be able to refine, reframe, reframe, refine, refine, refine over time. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what has happened in your practice since you completed the Fundamentals of Transaction program earlier this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I can tell you that if, over the last 10 months since being involved with Influential U, I really feel like it sped up the focus. I, I think I would be pretty blurry in terms of what my aims and intentions are. And I've been able to use uh, this daily mindfulness journal that I created, and there's there's lessons within it that are written in a way that it's approachable for patients, but it's based off the science of psychological flexibility and mindfulness. And that's offered me a, a focus that MAP is now helping me refine to create a, a platform that is for guys specifically to become more psychologically flexible, mentally fit, emotionally well, and intelligent. There's a lot of guys out there, like I was kind of saying before, who won't seek out therapy. That's just not something they're going to do. And I believe the mental health industry needs to do better. Access to care has improved over the last five years. But we need to do better. And what do I mean by that? We need to create more than just environments that it's therapy where we're sitting one on one. If we really want to improve and improve our health, our mental health, we have to do it with others. The research is pretty clear on that. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where I'm going with this, uh, this offer that I'm working on is creating an environment that's much like influential you, but really focusing in on the mental health and wellness of men over a certain period of time. So I'm not sure if I answered your question there. No, but you did. That, yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll actually, I want to point to that daily mindfulness journal. It, now that's available on your website. People can go and grab that. Like, can you tell me more about maybe who that's for and how someone can go and grab one of those from you? Yeah, the dailymindfulnessjournal.com. That's actually where you can find it. Um, okay. It's a 14-week journal. It's, it's again, practicing uh, self-awareness, emotional intelligence through written word. It's actually very structured and laid out. Uh, but the 28 lessons in there are actually the six core processes through acceptance and commitment therapy. So people who want to become more mindful, um, be able to have some experience of perspective taking, work on willingness or acceptance, um, values and committed actions. That's incorporated throughout this journal. And I, I've, I've learned to take that content, that education into this whole of the transaction with my patients. And I have found through measurement that people are getting better. That people are getting better through researched and validated instruments that are used in studies. So it's, it's exciting to see that, but it's also exciting to see the reactions from people that I work with. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that my answers changed mm. over the course of 14 weeks. I didn't realize how much I was able to, to grow over this period of time. I guess growth is possible. And if you can plant that seed, a lot of other things are pretty possible. Hmm. Todd, so good. So good. Um, 
If you're watching us live, just a reminder, you can use the chat. And right now, I don't want to call it free therapy, but holy smokes, you can answer some questions right now. And that's the value of having a live. We want we want you to engage with us. So please feel free. If you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching somewhere, please feel free to put notes in the chat. And uh, we'll, anytime that you want to do that, we'll absolutely jump to that and let our guests uh, bring you some value. Now, Todd, we always wrap up uh, after, you know, what was before, you know, during and after with sort of a soapbox. Um, and, and so what is your soapbox moment that you would like to share with our listeners that may be really valuable or something that you would stand up on a soapbox and yell out on the street? Well, first off, the idea, the notion, the concept of transactions, it's not a cold, sterile thing. I used to believe that before. And really what we're talking about in our society is self-acting. It's very selfish. It's not really taking into consideration other people's needs. So I want to start there. Secondly, better mental health is only one transaction away. And something we were talking about at one point, you know, keep transacting until you're satisfied. So if you go to therapy one time and you didn't like the person, move on. There's someone, something, some, some other thing out there that's, that's going to be useful to you. You know, again, if I went to a dentist and they drilled the wrong tooth, I would not go back but there is the right fit out there for you. And we need to start talking. We need to start reciprocating with other people for not just our own sake, but for the sake of others. I was just talking with someone else recently about, I wanna work with, with dads who are fairly new to the game. <laughs> and, it, and, and when we think about uh, men's health, there's, that's a whole umbrella that still needs to be unpacked. Yeah. But one of the most important relationships a child is ever gonna experience one of the most important relationships a child's ever going to experience is the relationship that their father has with himself. How we talk to ourselves becomes our child's inner voice. And so it makes perfect sense. It's actually imperative, not just for our families, but for our communities and society to show ourselves compassion, gratitude, acceptance, respect. And if we can start to embody some of those, those values, our kids are going to be far better off and, and so that's an aim, that's, that's an ethic that both my wife and I share, not just as individuals in our, in our marriage and partnership, but for our son and our future. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that quote again because I think it was so good and I'm not going to cry because I'm wearing makeup. But how we talk to ourselves becomes our child's inner voice. Did I hear that right? Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. Todd, mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Um mm -hmm. And now I, I did see Sherilyn Haley D'Amigo because mom is the biggest fan of this podcast. And she wrote in the chat, it's 100% true. Even if you're in a big system like the VA, if you're not satisfied with the person you're seeing, ask to see someone else. Mm -hmm. My mom is the queen of that, just so you know. My mom is very quick to move on that one. And it's helped me a ton with my ADHD, my ear infections, and a lot of things that I've done in life. It probably even got me to be a starter in a soccer team at one point. So. Mm -hmm this uh todd thank you so much for being on the podcast today this has really been valuable and i know i know that uh, we're gonna have many more talks in the future and uh, I, I really appreciate you and for continuing to study with us we we appreciate all that you bring to the richness of the study with you um and we look forward to having you again in the future absolutely i appreciate it and and i just want to say that the environment has has really helped me move past stuck points. So just want to say thank you to you and, and others that have studied with me. Well, thank you so much, Todd. And I look forward to seeing you very soon. <laughs> That's Todd Brossard. And if you weren't impressed, 
you probably need to check your pulse. <laughs> and if you'd like to know more about us, please go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those that are seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're brand new to hearing about us, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing a podcast, at Influential U, we often recommend that you start with Thrive. It's self-guided training. Now, Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. You can sign up today and use promo code 20OFF, 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. That's coupon code 20OFF. Next week, we interview Taran Jackson, whose new book, Choosing Resilience, All Things Work Together for Good, is a beautiful testimony and filled with the heartbreak and hope. It's a hope-filled true story of Taran's fight to survive the loss of his wife and the devastation of his body when it was ultimately resulting in an amputation of his leg. I hope that got your attention because you'll want to be with us next week for that interview. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Each week we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube so you can easily share it with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place that you get your podcasts and listen to it the next day. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world. A special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with contributions from Michael Teehee in the booth, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and of course, our guest, Todd Brozart. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. And this episode was recorded on September 14th, 2022. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating, a review, or even shared this podcast, please do. I ask that you take a moment, go on iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. That little share button is perfect right now if you want to just go ahead and share this with people so that they can hear more about Todd's work. Thank you so much, and I look forward to having you again next week on the Influential You podcast. Thank you.